Hello, Internet. You're listening to the In Your House Comedy Podcast with KD and Kersey. Now hold on to your... There's something brewing in the air. There's something that's going around. There's a scent out there. KD Comedy. You want to come at me at TOC for a quiz? TOC doesn't just stand for Total Obvious Comedy. We stand for Total Obvious Clever. So we will always win. When I say we, I actually mean me. I will take your quiz and crush you and destroy you because you have nothing on me. We are the extreme. I have Spider-Man with me. I have a pair of scissors. Nobody can beat us at TOC. Total Obvious Comedy, one of the greatest podcasts the world has ever seen. I will see you, KD Comedy, if you think you're so bloody smart, if you think you're so clever, I will take you and I will cut you in the palms of my hands! And I don't know what I'll do, I'll probably massage you or something and take you out for the movies. But then after that, I will take this quiz and I will be the ultimate podcast champion at quizzing. We at TOC, we pride ourselves on our extreme intellect, on our incredible sense of the world. This ain't any old quiz. This is a comedy quiz. This is a quiz of podcasts. This is a quiz of extreme importance. This is to see who is the most credible, who is the intelligent ones, who is the mastermind of the comedy podcasting world. And there's only one answer, and that will be T-O-C. So watch out, I'm coming for your KD comedy. You better sleep with one eye open and keep your brain active. Get reading those encyclopedias, get reading Wikipedia, check out some YouTube videos on intelligent things, because we're coming for you at T-O-C, because we're going to win. We're going to destroy you. Oh yeah, we're going to win. Get ready for the next battle. Keep your arms and legs inside the podcast at all times. Prepare to have an autographical orgasm in three, two, two, two. So, um, yeah, so our sponsor then now for Nobody's Priority Clothing is available on Facebook. Uh, Type in Nobody's Priority Clothing on Facebook. It's via Teespring. You can look at it that way. But if you use the code KD promo with two zeros instead of O's, then you get 25% off. And more than anything, we get a bit of money too. That's Thank you. <laughs> um, and then also on the 31st of um, August, this, uh, sorry, bank holiday, Monday the 31st of August, will be in your, in your pub car park comedy night and open air comedy night. With a multitude of different comedians that will be there to entertain you all. Uh, we'll have a raffle just for the hell of it. There might be a particular um, bit of KD Kersey merch that will be involved in the raffle too. We'll have to see. Cool. Hello, all you beautiful people there now there. And welcome to episode four of the KD and Kersey podcast. I am your resident stand-up comedian, Mr. KD Hinken. And I am joined, as always, by my musical maestro, the bassist of the hit new band, Rattle Chap, and a fellow beautifully big-headed bastard, Mr. Aaron Kersey. How are you, man? I'm good. How have you been? Very, very cool, man. Yeah, yeah. What's, um, uh, what's going down this week? What's uh, interesting facts, stories you got for yeah. me? 
So as you already know, um, I've got the, I don't know why I said that. I've got the, um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a surprise, Carl. <laughs> yeah, you don't know. I don't know anything. You don't know anything. You just know the basic exactly. um, thing because it's a very broad subject and most people know about it. It's the, um, assassination of JFK, John F. Kennedy. Well, it's honest. I think I mentioned to you like previously, there's not so, there's only so much I know about this, to be honest. So mm. anything you can bring to the table is good for me. So, well, I've looked know. into this. I've looked into it before, man, and the stuff I was seeing before is the stuff that I was looking into first. So I was like, yeah. "Well, that's not. I don't really get why we're talk. Why they're talking about that?" But then there's all yeah. this other evidence, which as soon as you think about it, it's like, "Okay, Fair. that makes no sense." <laughs> it never so, does. Okay. It never does with these conspiracies, though, does it? Really? It and we know that's one of the biggest ones. So, but yeah, I'm sure you're going to tell we, me more about it. Yeah, there is some actual physical evidence for it. So, um. Let's go through first the official story. So John F. Kennedy, the 35th president of the United States, was assassinated on Friday, November the 22nd, 1963, at half 12 Central Standard Time in Dallas, Texas. Uh, while riding in a motorcade through Dealey Plaza, Kennedy was riding with his wife, Jacqueline, um, Texas Governor John Connolly and Connolly's wife, Nellie. Uh, when he was fatally shot by former U.S. Marine Lee Harvey Oswald, firing in ambush from a nearby Texas school book depository building. This is the um, route, basically. You see the car, the building he's in, the window at the top of that building oh, yeah. is to the car at the moment is where he was. Lovely little diagram there you've chosen. Thank you. <laughs> I, I, I totally made that and did not steal it from a popular YouTube series. <laughs> that I discovered were saying the complete wrong thing as well. They got their uh -huh. facts totally mixed up. Well, here we go. Unless I did, but we'll see. <laughs> um, so he was up there. Governor Connolly was wounded in the attack as well. The motorcade rushed through the underpass at the other end of that road to Parkland Memorial Hospital, Memorial Hospital, where Kennedy was pronounced dead about 30 minutes after the shooting, and Connolly made a full recovery. Oswald was arrested by Dallas police 70 minutes after the initial shooting, after he had gone back to his house, um, picked up a coat and a revolver, he, oh, where was he, he was walking down the street. Another Dallas policeman named J.D. Tippett recognised him. Um, and then Oswald shot him, point blank, killed him. I think it was like three bullets or something. And then he was eventually um, apprehended in a theatre not far mm. away. A little cinema thing, you know. Yeah. Uh, but then Oswald, at 11.21am, November 24th, two days later, a live television camera was covering his transfer from the city jail to the county jail when he was shot in the basement of Dallas Police Headquarters by Dallas nightclub operator Jack Ruby. After a 10-month investigation, the Warren Commission concluded that Oswald assassinated Kennedy, that Oswald had acted entirely alone, and that Ruby had acted alone in killing Oswald. And then Vice President Linda B. Johnson became president upon his death. Okay, so that's the that's the um, official story, basically, of what official. happened. Yeah, I remember the Jack Ruby thing and how it lately... Uh, Harvey Oswald was killed, and but I didn't realise he shot a man. Like when yeah, yeah. Road, I, see, I know little, little bits about it, but there's clearly little bits I've missed. So, there you but go. in all fairness, though, you know he's already shot the president. What? Wow. Well, why not? In his or, head, you know. Or has he? Or has he shot the president? Mm, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no debate about that. Um, okay, so a quick little bit about JFK's time in office before the assassination. Many believe that the mob had helped him secure the election due to his many rumoured ties with them. While he was in office, the Bay of Pigs fiasco happened. Do you know about what that is exactly? No, I was just about to say. Yeah, it's a, few, 
which one because it confused me which one was that that was the one um yeah where um they were where this i believe it was the cia were training mm. um cuban exiles to go into cuba uh, uh, and uh, assassinate castro fidel castro yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah. oh it's right here what the hell his predecessor <laughs> eisenhower set the plan in motion funding the cuban exile to oppose castro yeah yeah, it in- included the Air Force and Navy assistance to succeed. However, JFK took away the Air Force, leaving the equation and plan unable to go ahead. So mm-hmm. it failed no force to surrender. A lot of people believe Eisenhower might have had something to do, for example, because that was his plan that he put in motion. And he, after finishing office, he was then the head of the FBI, which will come into play later too. Yeah, I think I've, I think I've heard this, this bit about Eisenhower. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is another one as well, though, uh, which I'd heard of, and I didn't realise All right. this was the name of it. Also, yeah. was Operation Northwoods. Um, Operation yeah. Northwoods was a proposed false flag operation against the Cuban government that originated within the US Defence Department and Joint Chiefs of Staff. Um, the proposals called uh, for the CIA and other government operatives to stage and commit acts of terrorism against American military and civilian targets, including shooting, um, sinking boats, hijacking planes, crashing them into buildings. Um, yeah, and this was all um, vetoed completely by JFK. He was like, no, none of that. Fair. <laughs> yeah. But because of that, though, um, it then led to the Cuban Missile Crisis, because they were made aware of it. That was a big part in it. He also sent a large number of advisors to Vietnam to oversee everything. The Berlin Wall was also built during his time in office, as well as a direct hotline to the Kremlin to, you know, um, connect USA and USSR, who also at the same time signed the test ban treaty to banning nuclear testing in the atmosphere. Yeah. Okay. We're up to date with where he is at the moment, basically. So you can see a few things in there, because apparently, like him mm. sending extra troops to Vietnam and doing some of the stuff with Cuba made it so that a lot of governments and agencies, especially, you know, spent all the money on these plans that they were doing yeah. and uh, take them away. So you can see where the idea of, like, governments being involved, the CIA comes from. Yeah. The ball's rolling with it. Yeah, you can you can see where it's going. My favourite part of it, though, the physical evidence... Mm-hmm. So we know, for example, that Oswald used a bolt-action rifle. I can't remember the name of it, but it was a crap, cheap weapon of choice, apparently. Um, a lot of this is, I know I've included it here in my story mm. somewhere, but a lot of this is based upon um, testimony by the Warren Commission, but then was re-looked at again by um, weapons engineer Howard Donahue in about about five years after, sorry, that part. Okay. Because he was hired yep. by an independent magazine to look into it. He was supposed mm-hmm. to be agreeing with the Warren Commission's findings, but that's not how it went. Gotcha. Uh, the physical, action sh- physical uh, evidence showed that three shots were fired. When they went up to his purchasing position after he'd mm-hmm. left already, um, yep. they found three spent cartridges at his purchasing position from his gun. Mm-hmm. Many believe he couldn't make the shots in regards to accuracy and in the time frame. Um, five seconds, but uh, CBS put it to the test in 1967 using the same gun and the same full metal bullets uh, that Oswald used with a setup of a target running along the same kind of route at mm-hmm. 11.2 miles an hour like the car was going, and it was possible, but the weapons engineer was the only one able to do it, and he was mm-hmm. only able to do it after his third attempt, so you know, he said it's unlikely but possible, and he was a former Marine, um, Oswald, Lee Harvey yeah. Oswald as well, so I seem to remember that bit because I'm a big X-Files fan and they, they bring that into X-Files at one point as well. And it shows oh. one of the characters interacts with Lee Harvey Oswald and they're in the Marines together, which is quite interesting. 
Yeah, yeah, I really need to watch X Five. That's one that I really want to watch, but I just I've been trying to find where to find it in one block, you know, all together. Uh, it's on Amazon Prime now, or Amazon oh, Video. Is it? Yeah, so if you got Amazon Prime, you should have Amazon Video. All the series are available. I did. Oh, look, look at me advertising X Files right now. Look at that. Yeah, we don't even get paid for this, man. I know. Check it out. Anyhow, sorry. Uh, I've wanted this for a while. No, no. Um, Yeah, so it is regularly believed that the Mm. first shot was the one that struck Kennedy in the neck and came... Oh, actually, I'll go through it, and then I've got a little um, thing I can show you, actually, like a little Uh, 15-second video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So it is regularly believed that the first shot struck Kennedy in the neck and came right through and then hit Connolly and lodged in his thigh in the end, Mm -hmm. uh, which was later found intact on his gurney. Um, the second shot is said to have missed and struck the sidewalk, injuring a bystander when a ricochet struck him, struck him in cheek. The third shot was said to be the fatal shot that struck Kennedy in the back of the head and resulted in a very large exit wound as the bullet exploded on impact. Yeah, I've seen the video, man. It's pretty pretty graphic, mm. isn't it? Oh, it's a brutal film. Uh, yeah, it just... Oh. The, the actual original, like, old... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's what he used in a lot of this in regards oh, to okay. at the ballistics yeah. with his weapon engineer stuff and as a through the film, you know, comparing it all. He started with ballistics, looking at each shot, each shot separately. Oh, God, it's hard to say that. <laughs> Starting with the first shot, which is commonly referred to as a single bullet theory, or the magic mm-hmm. bullet theory as well. Right. That. Yeah, so this was reported to be the first shot then. I'm just going to pop it up for you now, just so you can see what happened, the first bullet, and why some people find it a bit strange. Let's have a look. The commission found that the bullet struck President Kennedy at the base of his neck, just to the right of his spine, exited his throat below the Adam's apple, struck Governor Connolly beneath and behind his right armpit, shattered four inches of Connolly's fifth rib, exited below his right nipple and crashed through his right wrist, before finally lodging two inches deep in Connolly's left thigh. So it's just like, woo. Yeah, it's a lot for a bullet to do. That bo- that bullet was like, what was that what was that film called Wanted back in the day with uh, Jolie and the, the bullets? Yeah, man. And bullets. It looks like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so many believe that the trajectory uh, the first bullet would need to take didn't make any sense. However, this has actually been disproven as... Okay. Um, Donahue uh, was the one who realised that Connolly was lower than JFK because JFK was on an elevated seat because he was president. Yeah. yeah. And more in the middle. And he was also turning with the Sapruda film. He realised he was turning at the time. So okay. there was not nowhere near as much turning because he was turned. Yeah. Was, you know, it makes perfect sense. Okay. Yeah. I can see and, that. Uh, another issue many have with this single bullet theory is that many believe the bullet that was recovered was in too pristine of a condition to have travelled through two people. Mm. However, this is also disproved as it states full metal jacket bullets, like the ones that Oswald used, yeah. um, are designed for warfare and designed to travel. And it states there are, that there were signs of um, deformation on it. It's just mm. that he states, you know, most people might not see it, but him being a trained weapon and thing. And he shows you in a documentary as well the tiny things that I'm not gonna- yeah, things yeah. legit to be fair. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But it's always debated still, though. Despite this, Governor Connolly, the man who the bullet entered second, disagreed with the findings of the Warren's Commission and stated in a live televised interview, and I quote, mm-hmm. okay. I am convinced beyond any doubt that I was not struck by the first bullet. I know that I heard the first shot, turned to my right to see what was happening, 
Seeing nothing, I was in the process of turning to my left, and I was struck by a second shot. The third shot struck the president, but did not strike me. As I said earlier, this testimony was presented to the Warren Commission, but they chose to disagree with my interpretation and my memory of what had occurred. Hmm. I think so, if you were shot the first time, he may have been in shock. Yeah. And like his, his body may have gone into shock, and then he heard a second shot, and, he, and then he realised, oh, I'm shot. He could have okay, got, yeah. He could have got that wrong. Um, so, yeah, exactly. This is um, what, what they point out, like, obviously, because yeah. anything in this kind of situation, you know, is a bit heightened. It, you know, mm -hmm. um, was it first-hand witness accounts are always, like, the worst bit of evidence in, like, murder cases yeah. or, like, terrorist cases, you know, because... Yeah, definitely. Uh, okay, so, a Secret Service agent, Roy Kellerman... Uh, oh, sorry, um... It's just, I, I wrote that really weird. <laughs> um, a Secret Service agent's report named Roy Kellerman also mm -hmm. turned out to disagree with the order of the shots that occurred. So afterwards, all the Secret Service people, you know, had to um, write reports. Yep. He stated that the president said, my God, I've been hit after the first shot, which he said doesn't make sense that he could say that if he had been shot through the throat and windpipe, as the Warren Commission stated he did. Yeah. There were various reports given to the Warren Commission from other witnesses actually um, stated that the first shot is the one that missed and ricocheted on the pavement, including the man that was struck in the cheek by said ricochet. So he said it was the first shot that missed. Mm. Okay. Donahue believes, after examining the evidence from the ballistics, the testimonies, and the Zafruda film itself, that the first shot seems to be the one that missed, and the ricochet from this shot... Um, may have been what struck the president first, causing him to say, my God, I've been hit. Mm -hmm. And then the second shot is the one that went into his back, the magic bullet. Yeah. This seems to be pretty agreed with as well since. Fair. There's still a lot of confusion and debate about whether, it, about the order of the first two shots. It's not yeah. that integral to the overall um, thing. I think it is confusing when you've got so many different, accounts of people saying what they heard what they saw yeah. what they felt so yeah. of course it's going to be very confusing for or just anyone reading this story anyway yeah i mean um it does seem from everything i've seen that the first shot was the one that missed the second mm -hmm. one it makes sense when you watch the screw the film back after looking at this yeah it makes sense because he holds up um jack really um his wife jackie Ken jackie kennedy also stated that she heard him say this my yeah. god i've been hit and once again, it's like, well, if you'd been shot through the throat, how through, it's saving mm. his windpipe as well, apparently. Uh, okay, so he yeah. wouldn't be speaking at this point. So exactly, he, they said it literally, he wouldn't have been able to speak. Yeah, and there was a, a superficial wound on him as well, uh, a little hole, but nothing major, which could have mm. easily just been a ricochet, a bit of ground, just going, and he'd be like, oh shit, I've been hit. Yeah, but either way, um, the third shot struck Kennedy in the back of the head. Um, and erupted in a blast of lead from the inside, leaving him with a large exit point on his head, the obvious fatal shot. This is the main cause of confusion, though. Why did two bullets from the same gun react so differently, you know, out of the, sorry, out of the two that went into him? One yeah. went through him, all through them, travelled, but and then the other one exploded on a hail of lead upon impact. Hmm. So this is the question yeah. that's... Yes, question is posed. Why would a full metal jacket bullet, like the three spent cartridges found in yeah. Oswald's person spot, act like a hollow point? It can't. That's that's the answer. Yeah. Um, there's a thing here, though, just so you can get an idea of what I'm saying in regards to how the bullet acted. Yeah. The entrance wound's diameter is six millimeters. 
and the bullet tunnels for 15 millimeters before fragmenting. Mm. Makes you okay, question, yeah. makes you question so much more, doesn't it? When you you read into it much, well, deeper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when and when you really look at the physical evidence as well, because that's the one that you you really need to try and go within this because it's from so long ago, testimonies and all that. It's the only thing that yeah. really can stand up. Of course. Um, furthermore, though, like you said in that clip, the entry wound was <laughs> six millimeters in diameter. However, Donahue is able to determine um, it's actually far too size for the size of the full metal full metal jacket bullets that we unanimously agreed to have been fired by Oswald's gun, yeah. just make it, making it impossible that the final shot came from Oswald's gun, and therefore this proves that Oswald is a lone gunman. Mm-hmm. But however, you might <laughs> say, what about the three spent cartridges that were in his perching spots? Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's have a quick look at them. So these were the three bullets that were found in his perching spot. Okay. As you can see, the photo was taken from basically where he was sitting. Yep. Um, a and B right next to him, C yep. a bit further away. Um, okay, yeah, so you see the three cartridges. One is located much further back than the other two, though. Yeah. And this bullet itself was covered in grime and dented, unlike the other two. Hmm. Donahue states that to many this wouldn't mean much, but yeah. to a weapons engineer and to a Marine, it tells a completely different story. He says that that spent bullet was actually being used as a chamber plug by Oswald. And the purpose of a chamber plug is to stop moisture and grit from getting into the chamber to take care of his weapon, something a former Marine would do, and also someone that knows that his gun maybe isn't the best gun, mm-hmm. and he needs to keep it in as pristine as condition as possible into just a few moments before he needed it the most, which is when he then ejected the, um, the chamber plug, mm-hmm. moved over to his perch, shot the two yeah. bullets that came out in roughly the same place. Mm, that's interesting. Did you, find, logic. did you find yourself uh, becoming a gun expert after this like research? <laughs> I just love that you reeled off that information about how the bullets would be there and done, done your research, boy. Yeah, I definitely wasn't just reading it. <laughs> <laughs> now, but I, I wanted to understand it, though. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I wanted to uh, make sure that what I was reading from it wasn't just complete bullshit. Yeah, basically. as always. So, so it makes a lot of sense, so to be fair, that does mm. to me. Yeah. So in this case, then, that would show that it was only two bullets fired by Lee Harvey Oswald. Um, but that then leaves the question, if Oswald didn't fire the fatal headshot, the hollow point, then who did? Mm. And there are a couple of theories, which brings us to, first of all, the Umbrella Academy, because they're covered in... Yes. They're, that's what's covered in the Umbrella Academy. I knew you were going for it. Was there any of the um, conspiracy theories covered in, like, X-Files in that, then? Uh, yeah, uh, very similar to um, Umbrella Academy, actually, um, because it's like a secret organisation. I won't go into it if, in case you do decide to watch X-Files, even though... Oh, no, it's, I don't make me want to watch it more, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, it's like nearly... Th- it's over... Well, nearly 30 years old now, isn't it? So, I mean, you should have caught up on those spoilers. Now. A bit late spoilers, really. <laughs> but, really? yeah, uh, I won't say too much. Just It's very similar to um, Umbrella Academy, where it's a secret service, and it turns out that he was a patsy. Oswald was, yeah. you know. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. So, um, it wasn't... Does, it, does it go around, like, the idea of uh, the grassy knoll, first of all? Um, there's, like, a second shooter. Um, yeah, yeah. Is it, I forget, I was debating the number in my head last night. It's number five, isn't it? The time travel one. I think, yeah, five. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. So, in Umbrella Academy, then, for anyone listening, and if you haven't watched it yet, watch it because it's really good, the new series. I really like it. It centers around uh, the JFK assassination, the conspiracies in it. And uh, number five is 
in his old man form and he's supposed to be the shooter behind the white picket fence in the grassy knoll which is also based on facts kind of many people stated they saw a puff of smoke from behind the white fence which was situated in front of the motorcade so the one thing you might notice about that though is it was in front of the motorcade so it doesn't make any sense in regards to the trajectory because shooting from there you know would literally you can't shoot someone in the back of the head from in front of them yeah no. I don't need to point that out to you, really. <laughs> that is some really uh, wanted stuff, isn't it? You can bend those bullets right over the back of his head. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Oh, yeah, that was it. That was it. I'm t- I was trying to figure out then why people were even saying this. It's because a lot of people did say they saw a puff of smoke. And yeah. apparently a lot of people reported running to the fence at the time, but mm-hmm. not seeing anything with no time for the person to get away. They said, I reckon maybe it was just something to do with a ricochet from the bullet okay. they missed. Okay. Hitting something, it was a white picket, you know, but yeah. it doesn't seem to be very much behind that, to be honest. No, no. The second one is the best one, the Umbrella Man. Have you heard about the Umbrella Man? Yeah, they, don't, they, haven't they got like pictures of him just standing there looking a bit shifty? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, he's in um, all the stuff. He was definitely there, basically. He was, um, yeah. let's see what I've got here. Uh, the Umbrella Man is someone that can be seen in as a food of film. He's stood um, to the side, so on the same side yeah. as. Um, Oswald, yep. uh, further down, and his umbrella is down, and as the president goes past in his car, the, he is shown holding his umbrella up, and as he drives on, he's holding it down again. Even though it wasn't raining. Even though it wasn't raining, completely sunny. Yep. Um, a separate weapons engineer from the FBI testified to the Warren Commission that he himself had designed a weapon that is disguised as an umbrella and shoots a dart out from the umbrella as the thing is extended and opened. Yeah, like the penguin in Batman. Exactly like that, which is great <laughs> considering it's Oswald, Lee Harvey Oswald too. Yeah, Oswald Copperpot, yeah. yeah, love it. I wonder if that, that's got to be where they got the whole idea for him from, surely now. Mm, I don't know, because I think I some... Penguin was in the comics, wasn't he? So, and that was like oh, yeah. before the shooting, but that's a big coincidence if it is. Yeah, or maybe he just really loved Batman, you never know, maybe just got Yeah, it's true. Yeah, who doesn't? Uh, however, a man claiming to be the said umbrella man came forward to say to the Warren Commission um, mm. that he was holding the umbrella up as a protest to the president, as it was known as a symbol of protest at that time. Yeah, um, against something in particular, the name of it goes on my head. I'm not going to try to yeah. guess it. Um, and he even brought the um, umbrella to the commission to show them because he can only own one umbrella. You know, <laughs> he could have had like thousands of them made. And left them at home. Like, like you could exactly. just take a, a crappy one from I don't know, one of the. No, this is the only one. It, was, it was just this one. It's fine. I didn't shoot anyone. But personally, I looked at this and I really yeah. wanted the Umbrella Man to be true. But it seems like it's complete bullshit to me fair. anyway. Yeah, that's fair. that weapon anyway. A little look was shot darts. It didn't explode. I wasn't, okay. And why would you do that anyway? Why would you use an umbrella? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Great disguise, though. Well, not really, because he stuck out very well. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. I suppose he did. <laughs> this, was like, this film was like what? Um, it's like sixty years ago, and he, even you'd rec- you'd recognised him. Yeah. Do you mean do you mean <laughs> fifty years ago? Over fifty years. So yeah, that's why I found maths as well. <laughs> I suppose <laughs> it, it it would be sixty years in two thousand and twenty-three. So I suppose you're closer to sixty than you are fifty. I don't know. I'm debating it now. No, 63, weren't it? So, right. yeah. No, you're right. It's over 50 years. 
Yeah, 50, 57, 58 years. That makes me feel dumb, Alan. <laughs> You're welcome. Okay, so the actual answer then. Upon conducting his own investigation into into the trajectory of the third bullet, he learned, mm. um, don't know who this is, Yeah, yeah. Um, sure. learns that there was a mistake made in the, in the original records that were taken by the FBI. Okay. Which seems to be the case a lot. Oh, yeah, sorry, it's lower, which means that the, the entry wound was actually lower than was reported, yep. which means that the shooter was even lower down, so more street level than, you know, possible from up in the building. Yeah. Okay, he discovered something shocking after this, after following the trajectory of um, the entry wound and where he would have came from, he discovered that the bullet trajectory would have came directly from the follow-up Secret Service car. So Donahue then sent the Secret Service a letter to request information on what guns they had with them in the car, what, ca- what caliber the guns were, and the names of the agents. They mm. stated they don't give out such information except to say all agents are issued 38 caliber revolvers and that no bullets were shot by the Secret Service during the time of the assassination. Bit weird to make that point, I thought. Yeah, in the just, letter. just a bit. However, there were many witnesses on street level that claimed to have smelled gunpowder in the following seconds after the um, final shot. Something that would be impossible to do if the bullets were shot on the sixth floor, sixth floor of a building, especially mm. as it was reported to be windy that day. Uh, the only agreed upon fact about the third shot was that it would have also had to have been fired from a rifle. For example, Senator Ralph Yarbrough was in the car behind um, JFK's follow-up car. He stated that he's very proficient with guns from his time in the army, especially rifles. And he could plainly hear three shots, and they were all from rifles. He stated he smelled gunpowder a second or two later. And he always found that strange, as he knew you wouldn't be able to smell it from the top of the building, and it would only happen if it blew in your face, say, if you were driving behind the car and fired a shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, it's weird, isn't it, to imagine, though? But why? Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to trying to get the smell of gunpowder in my nose right now, but I didn't mean not... that. <laughs> I meant that's the widest secret. <laughs> it's not. It's not working very well. Um, so various witnesses interviewed on the day by the Dallas Police Department stated that they saw another gunman, 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 pull out a rifle, and that this gunman was actually a Secret Service agent sat in the follow-up car to the president. And then Senator Yarbrough, the man who was in the car behind, stated that the first two shots were heard. The Secret Service man in the follow-up car in front of him turned to the direction of the Texas Book Depository. Yeah, basically, he said that he saw a Secret Service agent in the front mm-hmm. after the second shot react, look behind him at where the gun was fired, uh, the shots were fired from, yep. pull out a rifle, and then look up again. That's pretty much as far as it goes from what he saw here. Okay. So um, initially, during the Warren Commission, um, the Secret Service, uh, the head of the Secret Service was being asked about this um, from witness testimonies, and he was stated that they do not carry rifles in their cars. However, he quickly recanted this remark. Okay. And I'm just going to quickly show you a last little video here. One of the only photos taken of said agent. Just one camera captures an agent inside the Secret Service follow-up car with an assault rifle in his hands. That, so, is, a big, that is a big gun for mm. a little man. For a little man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he was a there, little, though. A little man in a suit carrying an assault rifle that wasn't there, but actually was there. Well, Come on. He's not just a little man. His name was George Hickey. Oh, okay. He's got a name. He's got a name. Uh, yes, yeah, so he was George Hickey. 
Um, he, like the other Secret Service agents, had to write a report on what has happened during the assassination. He stated after the last shot, which struck the president in the back of the head, the fatal shot, that he then obtained the AR-15 rifle from the floor of the vehicle, cocked and loaded it, and looked about for a target. At this point, the cars were going under the underpass and had exited Daly's Plaza. So, you know, like, well, too late. Okay. Mm. Let's have a look at this folk, this little video again, and you tell me if it looks like they're going under an underpass or not. Just one camera captures an agent inside the Secret Service follow-up car with an assault rifle. No. Right under the bus. It looks like they're racing each other. <laughs> like Grease. Yeah. <laughs> Greasy fucking um, dead... No, whoa, whoa. Greasy fucking dead presidents. Jeez. <laughs> oh, yeah. Assault rifles. I don't know. Something I, I, I like that theory about um about Greece being all in a what is it all in Sandy's uh, head. Sandy, Sandy's Sandy's head. head. I love that yeah. theory. Maybe we should have come up with that. Like, do the full story of Greece and then go. Did you know this is just all in their mind, as evidenced by the floating car at the end. Yeah, it doesn't make sense, does it? Oh, no, she, no, she drowned. It's she only drowned. a film. It's only a film, though. Where did we get to? Uh, uh, so you were oh, showing yeah. me the under underpass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so to me, it doesn't look like they were going through the underpass. Um, no, and many same. other people too. Yeah. Um, 11 witnesses stated that they saw him brandishing the gun before the last shot was heard. Right. Um, which was at Daly's Plaza, of course, long before they got to the underpass. Also evidenced in the photo. Furthermore, seven of these 11 witnesses stated this were his fellow Secret Service agents. Mm-hmm. Another agent confirmed during his Warren Commission testimony that the AR-15 rifle isn't on show, but is always there, out of sight, but ready to go. He clarifies that by ready to go, he means that it is loaded, cocked, with one up the space, and all the user needs to do is pick it up, flick off the safety, and shoot. However, Hickey had already stated in his sworn testimony that he had to cock and load it, which wasn't the case. I, um... <laughs> My mind just went really immature when you were like, one up the spell, so he cocked and loaded it and then he <laughs> <did>. it. <laughs> <laughs> um, this was also uh, what I meant to say earlier as well with the head of the FBI. He initially stated there weren't rifles in the um, in the motorcades or on the floor of the, um, of the motorcade, but then he yeah. said, oh, actually, sorry, on, what I actually mean is there aren't any more. What actually happened was they stopped being used, you know, directly yeah. straight after this. Right, reason. Okay. I see. Okay, so let's just lastly then now then what we need to look at really is the Secret Service in general. Mm-hmm. In the time since we have learned that the Secret Service acted questionably before and after the assassination. The night prior, they had put JFK to bed by twelve a.m., which apparently the Secret Service do. <laughs> just took him in with his little favourite teddy in a cupboard. Him in. <laughs> Good night, of Ma- Marilyn Monroe. See you tomorrow. <laughs> Yeah, nice. <laughs> then they went, uh, then strangely, they went bar hopping, reportedly drinking heavily and mingling with scantily dressed prostitutes or hookers, I think it was actually, that the Warren Commission put it. Sex workers. They put it. Yeah, they didn't put that. <laughs> um, they were drinking heavily and returned to their accommodation after 5 a.m. No, sorry, they were still drinking until gone 5 a.m. Um, and then returned to their um, accommodation, ready for a 7 a.m. start the next morning. So not uh, only did they get smashed, but they left 
their pal in bed. <laughs> yeah. And also, they were in an area. Um, he was there because he was trying to, it was his re-election campaign kind of thing. And uh, he was there. Yeah. They, they were a place that didn't like him very much. They were very against him. Yeah. Lot of tech, um, so exactly. he, no, he knew there was a lot of anger towards him, for example. Yeah, exactly. They were well aware of this. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of strange things. Um, first of all, George Hickey, the shoot, the possible gunman, was already in Dallas preparing the cars as he was primarily a driver. It's theorized that he was bumped up to being in the position of the motorcade to be in control of the rifle, as he may have been the only one in a fit state to do so at that point, because he Makes was the sense. only one not out drinking the night before. Not hungover, yeah. No. Which begs the question, why would the Secret Service act in this manner to begin with, especially knowing that Dallas wasn't a friendly area for the president? Yeah. Also, as well, the Secret Service didn't give the, give the FBI their planned route for the motorcade, which meant that the FBI were unable to advise them of Oswald, as he was known to them as a Russian sympathizer that could be dangerous. And he had also um, attempted an assassination on someone else in the past. He failed, but apparently that showed his you know, willing to take human life, etc. Yeah. And they had a whole file on him. They were watching him, you know, um, but they were made aware of the route. So what can they do? Yeah. Fair enough. The Secret Service also advised that they didn't have enough manpower to physically check all of the windows along the motorcade. So they instead chose to check none of them and go drinking instead, it seems. Wow. <laughs> right, we can't check all of them. So guess what? We won't check none of them. Just do none of them. Fuck it. They'll be all right. What are they going to do? Shoot him. Yeah. <laughs> Just drop everything. Can't be asked. I'm going. I'm, I'm going on the piss. See you later. And it's like if they knew something about it, it's like were they doing it just to, you know, deal with the stress of what they knew was going on the next day? Yeah, exactly. You Can't know what I mean? But, oh yeah, um, the route itself was seen as very strange as well because of the amount of turns yeah. it had to take. Um, but the Secret Service agents' conduct following the incident was brought into question too. Three minutes after the shootings, they arrived at a local medical facility where JFK was. 30 minutes later, pronounced dead. As this occurred in Texas, it was Texan law that an autopsy had to be completed there before he could leave the state. The Dallas County Medical Examiner explained, basically, the circuit serviceman threatened him, brandished a gun, and pushed past him. Wow. Um, okay. Didn't know that. Yeah. JFK's body is then taken, loaded into Air Force One, and flown back to Washington for an autopsy to be completed. Um, however, it was a unique autopsy, as the room was apparently filled with reportedly around 30 people. Um, including representatives from the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, the FBI, technician, the pathology team. There were some generals in there and his um, personal doctor was in there too. They were being rushed to complete the autopsy. Did they, uh, didn't they get photos of it as well? I'm sure I've seen autopsy photos around. <sighs> Depends which ones. Um, during the Clinton administration, they subpoenaed requests for all agencies involved to hand over all material and records involved with the JSK assassination so they could review things so like in the 90s this is however the secret service stated that they couldn't as they had actually destroyed all the evidence from oh. this a week before so oh. 40 years following the assassination a week before they were asked they apparently destroyed it all oh well done guys nice yeah. work. Great work. Evidence from the other shows a basic forensic protocols that were in place at the time were not followed. Secret Service agents who should have been treated as witnesses were present for the whole autopsy while wearing suits that had been covered in JFK's blood and brain matter. We should have been taking, taken for evidence as far as the normal protocols even then. X-rays taken at the time of the autopsy showed multiple body fragments remaining in JFK's head, 
Fragment that he stated came from the explosion of a bullet, not JFK, whoever this person is. Head pathologist, I assume. His head exploded, sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah. The technician who took those x-rays um, was then threatened by his boss to keep his mouth shut about it, which later came out in the um, Clinton uh, discussions. Also, forensic photographers took many photos. A hundred shots were taken by a photographer who testified he gave his finished roles of film to the Secret Service agent Roy Kellerman, the one we mentioned earlier. Yeah. Along with the slides, it's stated that if everything was on the up and up in the autopsy room, then the cause of death would have been recorded within evidence and all uh, within hours, sorry, and all evidence yeah. would have been bagged and tagged, none of which happened. Oh, yeah. And then after the autopsy, the head pathologist is approached by his boss, the hospital dude, mm. I guess, who tells him to prepare JFK's brain to be given to his brother, Robert Kennedy, as per request of the family, which he did. He that put it in a little... Yep. A little a little lunchbox. Yeah. <laughs> That's a weird bed pan, apparently. In a bedpan? Or some kind. That's what he said. It was a pan. I'm just kind of shocked about that, to be honest. Oh, the brain thing. Yeah, it's very weird. Yeah. It's never yeah. seen again, the brain. Never seen again. They have no idea what happened to it, literally. The boss man returned again after a meeting with the Secret Service, and this mm -hmm. time asked the X-ray assistant that we mentioned before, um, the technician to tape some bullet fragments to some bones and then x-ray it, creating a forgery. The, mm. the technician stated the reason for this was to make it look like a full metal jacket bullet had, be, had somehow exploded in his cranium. He testified he was forced to sign a gag order and threatened with life, life imprisonment if he ever spoke about this. Wow. Eventually, everyone in the autopsy room was forced to sign a gag order in the same manner, but there were FBI agents in there who secretly... No, FBI agents that spoke to, sorry, uh, Clinton, the Clinton administration, this all these, like, all these years later, because they were still knocking about. They stated and testified they saw Kellerman collecting all the photographs of slides, um, all the slides, and that he said that they would be available to the FBI, but these were never made available. The photographs were never seen again. The slides were never seen again. Um, there is some photos out there, but from what I've seen, yeah, you know. Yeah. I don't know if that's to help. They haven't been proven to be legit. Yeah, and it's one of them, and you know, like if the proper like um, protocols aren't followed, and it's gone through, like as soon as one person's had it, and you don't know mm -hmm. where it's been, it's basically it's not evidence because anything could have happened to it in that time. You know, that's, the, that's true. That's yeah, very true. the trail of evidence and all that crap. Okay, yeah. Strangely, key witnesses that went against the Warren Commission's eventual decision were not called upon, despite them actively seeking out representatives to let them know. So the X-ray technician wasn't wasn't brought in. The governor Yardbrook, which was the guy that was in the back car that was talking about smelling the mm -hmm. gunpowder, he was never brought in yeah. to testify in the Warren Commission either. And like I said, they ignored that governor Connolly's who stated that it was completely second, different bullet anyway. So based on everything, um, some kind of cover-up definitely seemed to have occurred. And the only explanation was it was due to a shot from the Secret Service agent holding a rope, hiding a rifle. But it seemed most likely that this was a pure accident because in regards to what they said about when he swung and looked at, they think that what happened was as he swung and looked up, because he wasn't yep. trained with this gun or anything, you know, yep. remember, shot yes. by accident, that's what blew the president's back of the head and tried to trajectory build or uh, you know works perfectly no other shoot i mean you could also say that maybe the first two shots came from oswald and then they were aware of this and they were like oh shit okay we need to finish him off because he's only got two and he fucked this 
Today shot him. <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah. You don't know, but it's really uh, interesting, man. Like, I don't know if uh, I got that across very well to you, but it's... no. Some, well, like I said, there's some stuff in there that I didn't even know. So that, to you, so yeah. that, um, it, it's something that I've looked into a little bit, but I feel like I should have looked into it more. Again, we, we've we we covered this previously where we don't get taught enough in school about like history or uh, political yeah. figures and stuff, do we? So I feel like if that and was they only taught, teach you the uh, agreed one, don't they? Well, yeah, exactly. There's so much we could know from school. I know little bits from like talking to people or watching documentaries. Um, that video you showed me, I think I've seen, seen something uh, similar to that as well. But yeah, there's there's a shit ton of stuff in there that I didn't know about. I'd never thought about the fact that the third bullet exploded. Yeah. And that can't... Yeah. It's a hollow point. Yeah, it, it didn't come from his rifle. So they said so, the, the weapons engineer was like, no, it, it couldn't completely different, happen. Isn't it? Yeah, it's so weird. When were they commissioned, though? Like, when were they created? Is is what I'd like to find they out. They were around. Were they around? They, they were. Uh, yeah, that's something I think I forgot to mention. They were. That's they what, those bullets did match up to hollow points. You know, everything about the bullets that were used in the AR-15 worked yeah. with the theory. The bullets uh, were them. Okay. Or they could gotcha. have those bullets, you know, but they didn't yeah. have the actual gun to look at, obviously. Um. um yeah, I'll, I'll jump on. Oh yeah, sorry, you, yeah. sorry, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, man, that's okay. Um, I'm going to so, relax and get comfortable. First, first of all, I wanted to just just check in with him, make sure you're you're okay. How, how's your mindset? Are you feeling? Oh, me? Not feeling? Yeah, you're not. You got some? Have you got enough space around you? You're not feeling claustrophobic? No, I'm good. Okay, <laughs> you'll see why. Um, have you ever heard okay. about? Nut- <laughs> have you ever heard about Nutty Putty Cave? Nutty putty cave. Nutty putty cave. Nutty putty thing. No, I haven't. <laughs> you haven't heard it. Well, that's yeah. good because I'm going to tell you all about it or the accident that happened in 2009. So, oh, 2009. Okay. 2009. So, 11 years ago. So, not too recent, but within recent 11. Yeah. yeah. So, basically, what I'm going to go into is the accident that happened in 2009. Uh, with a caver called John Jones, he actually tragically lost his life. Um, and it's basically a reminder about uh, going caving. Yeah. One thing. One thing I learned about this, Carl, is another term for caving is spelunking. Oh, Have you spelunking. ever heard of that term? Spelunking. I've yeah, heard which... the word before. It's a word I like, but I never knew the definition of it. Yeah. So, uh, but I'm not going to really use that term. I just like saying caving. It's far easier to to talk Both about. Both sound kind of sexual, to be honest. I think spelunking sounds more sexual than caving. Yeah, isn't it? I agree. But caving sounds like it could be something to do with a butthole. That's true. <laughs> Never thought of that. <laughs> Sorry. Big word. Right. So uh, I'll give you a little bit of context about the cave and where it's located. So Nutty Putty Cave is uh, located in Utah, uh, and it was oh. actually first explored in 1960 and it became famous uh, for its narrow uh, slippery passageways <laughs> <laughs> sorry nice. 
<laughs> Twist turns and squeezes. Um, there's actually different parts of the uh, cave that they named over the these years, and I'm going to give them to you. So okay. Give it to me up those moist pacifiers. <laughs> I should have got the um the picture of this actually for you. So I mean, if you want to look at Nutty Putty Cave, I don't know if you'll see mine. The Nutty Professor looks like this. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, I've got. It. Yeah, have you got it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I got it. You'll see that the the cave parts are named accordingly. So you've got the birth canal, <laughs> the 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 otter crawl, the scout eater. I mean, these are really bad names, really. So you've got the entrance. Um, there's other ones as well. There's the entrance, the crack, the big room, <laughs> the maze, the birth canal, the big slide, the water crawl. Oh, yeah. Jesus. So it's um, quite quite wide, you know. But there's helping again. Sorry, I was looking at the picture and I closed it off because so, I get too distracted. You know what I mean? <laughs> fair enough. So the length of it is a hundred and. 1,335 foot and the depth is 145 foot. Oh. But because because you've got those tight, narrow spaces yeah. Um, yeah. in the cave, <laughs> this is where people obviously go in and explore it. Now, I think... Like we all do with tight, narrow spaces. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Before John Jones lost his life in, in the cave, and we'll go into that, there was actually a, a child previously, I'm not too sure which year, it doesn't actually go into it, unfortunately, but I think they, they rescued him. He, he was okay. I think he was only um, a teenager, a young teen. And they actually closed it. And then I think in May 2009, they reopened it to people who had uh, permits for it. So people yeah. were able to go in, even though it had been closed previously. So people people risked their lives in caving. And I don't know if you've ever seen videos of it. And I've yeah. watched it. And I feel claustrophobic. I'm not really a claustrophobic person. I'm, I I'm weird. Yeah. I, I feel secure in small spaces uh, okay well yeah. i suppose people you know that get the thrill of it like crawling through to find what they're gonna find next but we'll go into a bit of john's background so essentially john john had, this is john jones um not he the had, ufc fighter no okay. i've come across this i've completely forgot there's a john jones in ufc so <laughs> for anyone listening um yeah it's, his name's actually john edward jones so okay. yeah so john jones isn't dead from the ufc yeah not just yet no he, did, he didn't die 11 years ago. Not 11 years ago, no. Okay. Well, I don't even know this person died when we were on about it, so carry on. <laughs> so, basically, John had a lot of caving experience, but not recent stuff. He, mm. did, a lot of, he did a lot of spelunking coal mm. <laughs> when, he was, when he was a kid. Mm. Um, he basically, his father took him quite often with his younger brother, Josh. Um, and this was trips all over Utah. So, they've been to Utah, uh, discovered caves there, but hadn't been to nothing but it. Uh, Josh, this is his brother, spelunking uh, occasionally, wasn't it? His only brother. Uh, John Jones was born into a big family of five boys and two girls. He had 16 nieces and nephews, and he was a devout Christian. Um, he was, yeah, he was known for his good nature, delightful sense of humor, strong work ethic, a genuine love of people, and had a commitment to his family, and was an amazing husband, father, son, and brother. So, you know, well liked guy. At the time of the accident, uh, John was actually studying to become a paediatric cardiologist and had recently become a father. Uh, and his wife was pregnant with their second child at the time. I think his wife is called Emily, if I remember rightly. Wait, um, so, okay, carry on for a second. I, I'm going to point something out here. I'm going to see if that's where you're going. No, go for it. Go for it. What's up? I'm just, I'm just thinking, all right, so he's got a kid and she's pregnant mm -hmm. and he's doing all these things and he thinks, what can I do? Oh, I know. I'm going to go risk my life caving. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's not that's not selfish at all. No, no. This is where it gets me a little bit because it's really yeah. sad. Like, so I watched the film. There's a film based on this called what's it called now? It's The Last Descent, and it came out in 2016. And what you can imagine from a film about someone who actually gets stuck down yeah. the cave when he you know he gets there, and it was like for, um, for an hour and forty, but it was quite deep. I like and, I like those it. kind of films where it's like yeah. just one person in that, yeah. that kind of. If they're done well, they're really good. Like 127 Hours wasn't one of my favourites, but that was good. No, but that's a similar one. As is buried with Ryan Reynolds. You ever seen that? Yeah, that's exactly what. I'll, yeah, there's yeah. another one I'm thinking of as well, like a classic one. I feel like I've watched it not that long ago. Yeah. But I can't, it probably couldn't be. This is very similar to that kind of style. Basically, yeah, yeah. John gets stuck. He can't get out. And people yeah. try to rescue him. So we'll go into entering the cave. Ooh. Entering the cave. <laughs> 24th of my passageway. <laughs> so on the 24th of November, uh, both brothers, John and Josh, decided to rekindle their love for caving. And they picked Nutty Putty Cave uh, to conquer. Uh, every time I hear that name, sorry. <laughs> I know it's great. Isn't it? Why the hell would they come up with that name? I've all think, the ones. So I think it's to do, uh, from what I discovered, it's to do with the walls of the cave. They, when it gets warm down there, uh, they could become soft, and it's the um, putty yeah. feels like putty clay in your hands. Yeah. So there you go. So yeah, back onto it. We were uh, at so it's eight o'clock uh, p.m. on a Wednesday. It's quite late, really. Um, well, I thought if you're going on the ground, I'm mad, isn't it? No, I suppose. Well, uh, just a few days before Thanksgiving, when they arrived at the cave site, uh, they weren't alone. They had nine friends with them. So it was quite a large, large group of people that yeah, yeah. wanted to try and co- conquer Nutty Putty. So everything went smooth for an hour or so, as it, it, says, it states. The party had explored the largest room in the cave, which was absolutely named the Big Slide, which I guess is just a sheer sort of drop. So. so soon John, Josh and two of their friends decided to take up a challenge they heard about, namely passing through the birth canal, which we discussed, a narrow and challenge, challenging passageway that eventually opens up to a, a larger space. John went first. Um, he wriggled for some time, but he, he couldn't oh, see a lot. A larger area so he's going through wiggling down but he couldn't see this larger area so he kept moving forward inches but the narrow passage did not come to an end instead the squeeze made a sharp downward turn so he's come down now yeah, yeah. confidently john pressed forward perhaps noticing the tunnel got wider at the bottom but it basically it was already too late it all went wrong 50 feet earlier it's unclear from conflicting sources on the internet whether john entered the birth canal and accidentally turned and wriggled into the scout eater one of the other ones we discussed, yeah. or if you missed the birth canal entirely and crawled into another passageway um, just next to the mm-hmm. birth canal called Ed's Push. Now, Ed's Push is, it doesn't go anywhere, it just stops. Yeah. So if you look, if you were looking on that map, you'd see that Ed's Push is on there and it just stops. It doesn't go to a larger room. I think it's marked out where John gets stuck as well on your map. So John's actually six foot and he, he weighs 200, 200 pounds, so he can't push any further and essentially he gets stuck. So he kept pushing through until he couldn't get, he couldn't continue. And to top things off, he wriggled into a section that went straight down, and he was unable to turn back. So essentially, that's where he got stuck. The narrow crevice he was trapped in measured ten by eighteen in- inches. And from that's what a big I, birth, I know. it is, <laughs> it's it's quite <laughs> big. But because... I'm trying so hard not to make jokes <laughs> about how he's stuck in a birth canal, trying oh. to push himself out. <laughs> I'm like, the just... guy died, a guy died, be respectful. <laughs> in in the film, like he, he mentions, like, oh, it's like being in a womb. So it was kind of kind of funny in, yeah. in areas. So it wasn't like too bad. <laughs> <laughs> so 
he got tr- he got trapped, obviously, and they say where he was was comparable to the entrance of a uh, washing machine loading tin, um, whatever you call it, you know, oh, like the that. area of a washing washing machine. But it wasn't a perfect circle, and he was stuck stuck in the tightest part of the opening, and he was trapped more than a hundred feet below the ground, deep inside the cave, and all he could do was wait. Basically. So, so it was like straight across the tunnel then that took it yeah. down, down and then, and then he further just went down. down. Yeah, kept going down and then sort of to the left, I think, or to the right. And was then, it like a drop? Or just... So the big slide is a bit of a drop and then he, right. he has to wriggle down to the birth canal and that's he went into the wrong Oh, section. and he went into the wrong thing, kept going yeah. and kept going and because he was going down, he wouldn't have been able to get back up. Yeah, so if you that's think like, about it, got, yeah. it, was, it was literally just like sheer drop down, like mm. his head was facing down towards gravity. Why did, did he choose to keep going? Well, you wouldn't know. Because he's trying to discover where he's going. I suppose he has to, there's only one way he can go and he couldn't come back. So he has to go yeah. forward. And then he and got he stuck. Believed, he believed he knew it definitely went out yeah. that way. Exactly. Yeah. So if you've done it in a day. You might like. I, I imagine some light would be coming through. You might have got just yeah. strange time to do it as well. Yeah, well, that's what I thought. But again, if you're hundred feet down in a cave, it's going to be dark and dingy, isn't it? Yeah, small, I suppose. small crevices that you're going to have to try and wriggle through. You can't see bugger all. Oh, you can see that Oh, yeah, yeah, no. definitely. So his brother Josh was actually following at the time, and he was the first one to find John, and he was getting quite worried about how much of the the rockets almost swallowed him. Like, you know, he was stuck in a. I'm not going to do diagrams, Carl, but yeah, it was <laughs> kind of wedged in there. He actually tried to pull John out, but he kind of got him up a little bit, but not enough. As soon as he let go, he slid right back down into the crevice and got stuck even further. So he's, oh, yeah, he was stuck with one hand pinned beneath him and the other one forced backwards, Yeah, which isn't nice. So his ankles and feet were free, but were no use. As it's like they kept just kept falling down. They both said a quick prayer and Josh hurried back to the ground as fast as he could, slowly wriggling out of the tight passage himself and rushing to the surface. Uh, once outside, he quickly called for help while a friend actually stayed with John just to comfort him, I suppose. Okay, yeah. Well, yeah. You can imagine being stuck there for hours. Like, yeah, nine of them. One of them could fucking stay. I'm not getting out. The first person to arrive uh, was Susie. She was actually a local rescue volunteer who, who immediately dropped everything she was doing when she received received, yeah, received the message to, to get to the scene. Did it seem uh, like it was pretty easy to get to for like everyone on the outside? Or was it quite? Yeah. Um, so the know? it's just like almost like a you know Utah's uh, Utah I should say. It's just like a it's flat. Desert, oh, yeah, so it's just a there's a there's a few rocks and there's an opening where the cave is, so it's quite yeah. easy to get to. The entrance is great and nice and easy to get to, but and I'm guessing not, not any worry of like in that case, then there wouldn't be any worry of like rain and drowning, really, would there? Not that we don't come across that, but that's a good point, mm-hmm. but not not so much that more. Risking, yeah, other people, um, risking other people's lives to get him out, essentially. Yeah, no, it, it makes sense that you wouldn't have to, because that's what I was thinking about, but Utah, obviously, desert place, that's yeah. why that would be an issue. So that would make even more sense to me as to why they could go on the night still as well, because that's yeah. not as much of an issue. No, that's true. So yeah. when she arrived around midnight, so midnight, I guess that would be the tw- early hours of the 25th of November. Oh, yeah. More than three hours since John had been trapped deep inside the cave, Susan got, took no time to reach him and she said, Hi, John. My name's Susie. How's it going? Uh, John replied, Hi, Susie. Thanks for coming, but I really, really want to get out. Of course, you would. You know, that's how you are you do. doing? Yeah. I'm fucking great, love. How I'm, are you doing? I'm stuck. Get me out. I'm Within literally a, a full size six foot baby right now, stuck in a birth <laughs> canal. How the hell do you think I am? It's kind of a stupid question, isn't it? 
It's like, uh, what, what is it they call it when an um, ectopic pregnancy or something? When the baby gets stuck in the fallopian tube? He's uh, that. Yeah. He's, he's just stuck and he just wants to get out. Which don't blame him. That's all you want. <laughs> Within the next few him. hours, tens and tens. Ten, uh, basically, more rescues have arrived within the yeah. next few hours. The rescue team quickly brainstormed a plan and discussed everything, even leaving the walls of the cave. Um, I think thinking about putting some flour or olive oil down the sides of the oh. cave, or even peanut butter, I think, was another one to like slide him out to make a, like, a random a, choice. Yeah, yeah. A, lu- a lubricant to get him out. <laughs> Lubricate the passageway. Yeah. <laughs> so you can remove said blockage. That's it. Until so it's the... a fair, fair, fair idea, but you know, considering yeah. it's your walls, I don't imagine that working too well. No, I don't think they realise how pretty they were. Yeah, and even more so if he's in there moving around, he's going to soften it up, and his body warmth in general will yeah. warm it up. And then it goes stiff again. So yeah, essentially, they decided to use uh, rescue ropes that passes through a series of climbing camps with one end of the rope tied around John's legs. They're able to do that because his legs were free. The other end was pulled by the team. At the same time, they also tried drilling away chunks of rock near John, but the hard material and the awkward position made drilling a slow and painful work. So I suppose they wanted to try and get build up their own passageway to get to him. Yeah. Uh, in over an hour, they only managed to drill through a couple of inches of rock. So because of how thick the rock was, they weren't wow. getting through them. Yeah. So, they probably um, wouldn't have great, like machinery readily on hand as well either straight away from from the looks of it like the jewels were like really powerful but because of like how thick those rocks were they weren't going anywhere so deep down rocks in it yeah makes sense yeah uh, position of John's body also complicated things. He was trapped nearly upside down. I think he was, wasn't was completely upside down, but at a, a certain angle. Yeah. Only his feet were visible to the rescuers, and the ceiling above the feet hung so low, the rescuers just couldn't pull him. So I suppose every time they kept pulling him, his legs would, and they can't. Yeah, yeah, there's no, yeah. Just couldn't pull him out, or his feet, yeah, or his feet would get in the way. Time yeah, passed, yeah. the rescuers worked frantically and failed their first system of climbing cams. Uh, they then tried to use a rope pulley system, anchoring the pulleys with bolts, drilling the bolts deep into the cave walls. So, from what I could mm-hmm. see, they wrapped them around, they wrapped the rope around John's legs, and they uh, drilled holes down uh, yeah. in certain areas, put the ropes through those those holes in the wall. Uh, into yeah, the to cave get around leverage points. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though you still feel like you'd have the same issue if the walls, if the ceilings are that low with the feet, I imagine they were, maybe they weren't low enough to hit them because I suppose you got there in the first place. But not. That's where they get onto the uh, a difficult point about thinking about breaking John's legs. You know, that's where my head was going. So, was yeah, that, if... that, that was another point. So everything was made more difficult by how narrow the cave was, of course. Uh, even though there were a large team of rescuers, volunteers, emergency services, and a rescue helicopter waiting outside, only one person could directly access john so yeah, you know, yeah. How, how josh was with him originally his brother only one could, person could access him yeah that's so, one of the thing as well i'm guessing only one could get there yeah exactly yeah, yeah. meanwhile john was doing worse he'd been stuck up, like, upside down for a long time and having difficulty breathing uh except basically the um blood was rushing to his head blood, and his heart yeah, pooling, yeah. Uh, his heart had to work twice as hard against the gr- uh, gravity to push the continuous blood flow out of his brain he was swinging back and forth between panic and calmness so when i was watching that film they kind of dramatize it they have to don't they in these films oh yeah of course yeah but he does like um uh hallucinations and stuff about his wife and seeing his wife and getting out fine so yeah yeah not good for not good for john at one point they brought a two-way cable radio and managed to lower uh, lower this to him so he could speak to his wife because oh, that's cool. yeah, yeah. 
hours. Um, she yeah. was actually near near the cave entrance at this at this point. Uh, yeah, both, a little bit pregnant though to get in, John. Yeah, she's not getting in. She doesn't go in, unfortunately. Um, but it was almost so, like God fucked with him. He was like, "You're having a baby. You're going to go try and crawl through a birth canal. We'll see about that." Yeah, stop it. I'm being too mean again. <laughs> being too mean. Empathy. He's a person. Okay. Overall, give me a rough estimate of how many hours John was trapped up up until this point. I'm guessing by this point it's probably like early hours of the morning. Eight hours. Nineteen hours. Oh fuck you now. Yeah, nineteen hours. He was stuck for that. Was this so, like the next afternoon now then? Because it was a knife when he got stuck, weren't it? So, yeah. So I think it's yeah. still like early. Yeah, I suppose it would be. Yeah. Uh, so things are starting to look better. Everything changed when the rescuer, rescuers finally finished installing their pulley system, which I showed you, and started to mm-hmm. pull John out. They they worked in an eight man team, uh, all took in as one. John was at times in great pain, so apparently he was like screaming out in pain because like. His legs were just killing him at this point. He was scraping up against yeah. the, the cave. So they made frequent pauses with him. So kept stopping, starting, stopping, starting. Each time they pulled, they managed to pull John up a little bit more. So not a great deal, only a little bit. After pulling, after pulling him upwards the third time, John was finally lifted high enough so they could make eye contact with the rescuer close to him. He looked tired. His eyes were red and his face was dirty, but he seemed fine otherwise. So he seemed with it. Ask him how he is again. That's a mean, stupid question. But I suppose you want to try and keep his spirits high. Um, it sucks. I'm yeah, upside that's what down. they do. They always do that. Yeah, they have to, really. And he states, yeah. it sucks. I'm upside down. I can't believe I'm upside down. My legs are killing me. So bless him. Um, the, re- <laughs> the rescuer saw that even though John was complaining, he had a smile on his face, which is always good. Um, oh, they had... feel bad. Um, yeah, they had a, made the team a had another, <laughs> well they, they had another rest again and kept pulling him up and he was almost out he was almost out and then a disaster strikes so when the, the rescue team pulled John upward for the fourth time something happened the entire team fell backwards as the rope suddenly went loose in the hands the closest rescuer, rescuer felt something hard hit his face and he passed out for a second when he came to, he saw nothing but dust. Once the dust had settled a bit, settled a bit, he realised that the stone arch near John's legs, where the rope was tied around, had shattered, and the nearest key bolt had broken off. I think that's one of the things that they put into the cave to make the pulley system work. He couldn't make out yeah. uh, in the dust where John was, but he soon realised John had slid, slid right back down into the crevice again, and he was even deeper. Oh. Than so it snapped. Oh, even deep, fucking hell. The rescuer oh, actually suffered face facial injuries it like sprung back and hit him in the face i think um yeah 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 a, a, a metal shard uh cut his face even, even if it's lock, it's still gonna do just as much damage yeah well yeah, i think it was metal then. it turned out that it was yeah. one of the metal shards that hit him in the face so um he was actually working with his dad at the time this this young lad was so he swapped with his dad again when they tried to reach john they realised John's breathing was much more shallower and less frequent, and he was struggling to stay alive. The rescuer called John, but they had no response from him. I think he fell unconscious, and des- de- in this desperate measure, he tried to lower himself into the crevice to-, to put the rope around John's waist. So the rescuer actually got himself stuck trying to save John. After finally wriggling himself free, he drilled a new hole for the pulley and crawled out of the cave and he was um, replaced by yet another rescuer who reached John but couldn't make contact with him. 
soon after a medical professional crawled into the cave. So even the medical professional is now crawling into the cave to check on John. But all, the, all these people are coming to you know try and do the best. And at midnight, November the 25th, so that's the next day, isn't it? We've um, been there the whole day then, though. Yeah, for, for like 24 hours. Over, day, over, yeah. over, over 24 hours. Yeah. Um, so at midnight, he was pronounced dead. And John was 26 years old. Oh, shit. So, yeah, sad. At, bad uh, fucking choice, man. And, uh, that's a very bad choice to make. Bit of a and as well. A total of 137 rescuers worked hard for 27 hours to save John, but had to leave him uh, with their ham- hands empty and heavy hearts. The volunteers actually told the media because there was a lot of media coverage at the time. So they had like helicopter yeah. news anchors reporting this story. Um, in the 29 years of being a search and rescue, this is one of the hardest rescues or the toughest rescues, I should say. Following this, the next day, authorities determined that it was too difficult and dangerous to even get John's body out for burial. So Nutty Putty Cave was actually sealed off. It was uh, filled with cement. And John's body is actually still in there to this day. Like filled with cement as well, or yeah, just like yeah, sealed off in places. Sealed off completely. All all the entrances, exits were yeah. completely sealed off. Uh, filled with cement. John's family actually put a plaque in place on the entrance, so it just represents John's resting place and yeah, yeah. just shows the the risks that you take with spelunking or caving. Uh, I actually watched a video on the YouTube where two, two lads actually went and visited. And the plaque's still there. People still put flowers down for John. Um, yeah, but yeah. you can see where the grass has grown over now, where the entrance would have been originally. But I'd say 2009, there's still plenty of time to do that. Yeah, that's yeah, surprising. But it, it's kind of weird, isn't it, that you think about, like, one from 2009, you think, oh, well, we'd have machines to just pull him out, simple as, you know. Exactly. But they still have to go about it in the same mm-hmm. way, make a pulley system, get some ropes, you know. But that one just makes me feel claustrophobic thinking about it. That's what one of the worst ways to die, yeah. isn't it? That one's a bit different because you, you're stuck as well. Like, you know, you can't move. No, exactly. And, and just being in that position for 27 hours overall, it's a long time. I mean, what, because they said like that they, I'm guessing they didn't just leave him. It was just he died while they were trying to get him out still. So Yeah, so he died of a cardiac arrest. Essentially died of a cardiac arrest. So they had to leave him really at that point. Yeah. I think they were going to go back the next day and try and get him out after having a break. But they were, they were told, no, it's too dangerous. I mean, Pete, yeah, that, that one rescuer got facial injuries, uh, ripped most of his face away to have stitches. You know, you got a medical doctor trying his best to get in there. One of the cavers actually got, well, one of the rescuers got stuck and nearly got stuck and had to recall back out so yeah, yeah. it was too risky to try and get his body out so no i don't yeah. blame him at all man if he couldn't if it was yeah it was risky enough trying to do from the same thing while he was alive it's after he's dead yeah i don't blame him at all for that choice yeah so i, I mean, think it would be a lot more I... fucking um irresponsible to video away oh yeah definitely well this is one i um i saw on reddit originally i think or youtube and you know when you, you see all the comments and stuff on reddit and youtube and just people's um, just fears, it's, you know, being trapped inside coffins and being yeah. alive or booms, you know, there are people who have claustrophobia. So it really connected with people as a saying, still, it's like, I want to work away. Yeah. I'd still prefer that than burning to death, though. That's my fear. 100%. Is it? Yeah. Because yeah. there's nothing you can do, man. Literally, as soon as you're on fire, you're yeah. on fire. Like, you know. That's true. I think they're both what? just as painful, though, really, aren't they? You know, just to, to even think about pain, it. Please. 
Bayer yeah, is like definitely. if you were on Bayer, you'd feel some pain, but you'd probably be you'd suffocate before, so it'd be quicker. Yeah, you would. But you're on like blah. Yeah, you you're dealing with that for a while. Yeah, definitely. But uh, that one came across many years back. I've did a bit of research again on it because it, there's so much more information on it. Um, I watched the film. If anyone's interested in the film, and it's called The Last Descent. It was released in 2016. And it's on Amazon Prime at the moment, if anyone's interested in watching that. I've already made that note down. The Last Descent. The Last Descent. Of course, it's dramatised, but it's quite interesting to see. It's quite quite sad, actually. It's just a you know, drama film, really. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, I don't see how it couldn't be a bit sad, to be fair, considering oh, no. the story now. Yeah, definitely. No, but yeah. I've never heard of that one. Have you not? No, literally. No, I'm glad I could bring it to you. When you were first talking about it, I thought it was going to be the uh, Thai football team. Uh, Oh, yeah, I remember remember this. Yeah, I completely forgot about that. Yeah, but again, yeah, I think it was. Yeah. You see on YouTube, a lot of people go back and see Naughty Pretty Cave, although it's sealed off. I guess people are interested to see what the um, the entrance looks like now. So, but I was watching a lot of, of, um, I was watching a lot of caving videos and just then, it's like seeing people go through all those tight spaces. It's just, oh god, yeah, I can... not nice seeing. Tiny man, yeah, You've got like no space. There's no space at all, and it, you know, John was six foot and he weighed two hundred pounds, and most of his caving experience was done as a kid, so he's not going to be the same build, is he? So it's almost like it was a bad choice to do it. Definitely, hundred <laughs> percent. Especially when you got a kid and another one on the way. Yeah. So, uh, apparently, she she named their son John after he was born. He was a boy when she was she was pregnant with a boy. Um, she's now married to another guy, and they've had another kid together. And they actually uh, promoted the the movie, even though it's quite you know hard to watch. They were very you know when you get these true events films and the families want to sue the people and they hate it he was quite supportive over it even though it was upsetting to see um they were very supportive over it so i think it depends as well how like they're portrayed and stuff any and to be fair like i'd be kind of weirded about that about like yeah the new guy like doing it though you know that's strange that he'd be involved in it but oh yeah yeah for sure but they were all very supportive over it from what i was reading john's father um actually walked I think it was Emily, her name was his wife, John's wife. He actually walked her down the aisle to the new husband, which is oh. quite quite shocking. But, you know, fair play to John's dad. Well, it just shows that he must have actually been an all right guy in that case. Yeah, so at the very least, portrayed himself in that way. Oh, yeah, definitely. A lot of respect for that. So, yeah. You know, what was it again? Nutty Putty Cave. I'm going to have a look at that a bit more at some point. I love the fucking name more than anything. It's a fucking amazing yeah. name. Just an awful name, isn't it? can see all the pictures and stuff there's plenty of pictures like from the looks oh yeah not if we cave sealed with concrete you can see all the diagrams as well if you if you check it out um, uh, i see what you're saying is all about the um grass growing over too yeah yeah definitely oh yeah really it's a proper flatland then it yeah there's a few words very well. i can see a hole in it i can see a hole in the concrete is there oh, i swear dear. i'm looking at a hole there's a hole for the birth canal Aaron. <laughs> a new hole for the birth canal. Thank <laughs> <coughs> uh, I have been KD, and I've been Kersey. And thank you very much for listening and hearing. And no, okay. My name is KD, and I am Kersey.
Thank you all for listening. And we'll see you very soon. Okay, you're supposed to say and for watching. And for watching. <laughs> and we will see you soon. We'll there get there. Give us about seven weeks. We'll get there. Man. <laughs> <laughs> now, thanks a lot, then, man.